This is our final weekend with our series on, on mental health. Of course, uh, over the next couple weeks, we will obviously turn our, our focus on Christmas and New Year's. Next week, the, the kids are coming downstairs from Promised Land. They've been practicing for a couple of months on their Christmas musical, and that's always a, a, a fun time. Talk about enthusiasm, right? Uh, and so that, that'll be neat. Uh, and then the following weekend, listen up, so uh, is Christmas Eve. So we will not be uh, meeting on Saturday evening. We won't be meeting Sunday morning, but we will be meeting on Sunday evening for Christmas Eve service. So that's the 24th. So remember that. And just as importantly, start thinking about who you're going to invite. Christmas Eve is a great service to invite a friend. There's a, there's a little card inside your bulletin. You can hand that to them, and you can drive by their house and kidnap them and drag them here. No, 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 don't do that. Uh, but encourage them to, to come. Uh, and then then uh, the first weekend in January, uh, we'll kick off a new series, and we're kind of excited about this. This will be a neat one. It's about technology and how that influences us, influences us and... Uh, uh, and we'll learn uh, which are Bill's favorite emojis uh, as a part of that, that series. But this week, this week we, we wrap up the mental health series. If you've been tracking along with us, you'll remember that we've been using the fourth chapter of Philippians uh, as kind of a springboard for our discussions on mental health. Last week, Bill took us through verses uh, 10 through 12 where the Apostle Paul says that he has uh, learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Uh, you know, there Paul was, we, we heard last week, he was sitting in, in prison knowing that uh, he was going to be tortured and, and probably executed. Uh, nevertheless, he, he writes to his friends in Philippi and to us today, about the importance of, of being content. Go figure. Content, regardless of our circumstances. In other words, we, we shouldn't let our circumstances drive our attitude or, or drive our, our contentment. As we continue through Philippians 4, this week's passage is, is uh, probably familiar to, to many of us. It's a, it's a classic uh, it's a, it's a go-to verse commonly used as, as a source of, of motivation and encouragement. For, for many, it's been kind of a, a rallying cry. Verse 13 reads this way, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Uh, a, a more commonly used translation reads, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we see this, this verse Plastered on, on coffee mugs and, and T-shirts, athletes use this verse as encouragement before, before the big game. Students chant to themselves this verse before a big test. And, and others see this verse as, as kind of a, a promise that they'll become rich or, or, or overcome an illness because they can do all things through Christ. The problem is that that's not the way to look at this verse. It turns out 
you know, this verse is a great example of how verses can be taken out of context. Because in context, with, with the, the verses we looked at last week, Paul is, is clearly saying, you know, I've had good times, I've had bad, I've lived large with plenty of food, great home, and I've been at the bottom, hunted, tortured, ridiculed, with, with little to eat. And through it all, Paul says, you know, I've learned to be content. So with Christ's help, I can make it through anything. Upon a closer look at verse 13, it's less about overcoming, you know, the odds to win and more about coping when you're on the losing end of things, whether it be sports or life. So if you happen to have one of those inspirational coffee mugs, you might want to kind of like turn it around the other side, get a, a, one of those Sharpie pens, and, and write something like, next time I lose, I'm going to lose with style. Or, or if you've been praying this prayer, uh, praying this verse, uh, you know, before a big test that you haven't studied for, you know, if you really want to reflect the true essence of verse 13, you might instead more accurately pray, God, you know, I'm probably going down in flames. So help me to deal with the consequences with the right attitude. And, and P.S., sorry for not studying. <laughs> Paul's message uh, is consistent throughout chapter 4. Whether good stuff or bad stuff is happening, be content. And we can be content because of the strength and hope we receive through our position in Christ. True contentment flows from our salvation. Here's a kind of a translation from a paraphrased version called the, the Message. It's written by a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. It's not a word-for-word -word accurate thing, but it's just kind of his sense of, of what a, a passage um, might say. So it might be helpful to you. It says, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Remember, he's reading... You know, writing this to the Philippians who are, are trying to help him. He says, uh, not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. But eventually, once we've kind of wrestled with this whole idea of contentment, we, we come to an important question. Even though we're, we're supposed to be content and, and have the, the right attitude, does that mean we're, we're also supposed to just accept what's going on around us uh, and, and be settled with that? Be, because let's face it, there, there's a lot 
there's a lot to be unsettled with. In this information age that we're going to be talking a lot about in our next series, uh, news travels faster and faster, e even if you're not looking for it. Uh, you know, we're more aware of the, the tragedies, disasters, injustices, 24-7, within, within minutes, no kid, minutes, we see stuff happening from around the world that's uh, depressing, dissatisfying, un unsettling. Globally, we see genocides and famines. We see nations invading other nations. We, we so see graphically the, the horrors of war. Nationally, we, we see very solvable problems. Budgets, immigration, health care, all bogged down in, in very bitter, divisive politics and, and power struggles. More locally, you know, there are problems with, with roads and schools and public safety that, that are just you know, left unaddressed because you know, our tax dollars are, are off financing other unproductive things. And then in our very own backyards, with, with ourselves or, or, or those close to us, we, we see broken relationships, financial problems, unhealthy lifestyles. There's just so much coming at us constantly. You know, it's, it's overwhelmed, overwhelming. We're, we're, we're saturated with so much information about all this negative stuff, so, something that a, a generation ago people didn't have to cope with. You know, we're, we're like deers in, in the headlights. It, it's mind-numbing, if not downright depressing. As, a, as an indicator of how our general outlook is trending, surveys tell us that this is the, the first generation of, of new adults who, who believe their quality of life will be below that of their parents. This is a messy world. It, it, but we keep hoping and hoping that it will get better. And when it doesn't get better, our hearts are, are sick. And, and we struggle hard to, to keep this, this heartache from turning into to sinful discontent. But it's hard. All the while, despite all this, Paul is telling us we're supposed to, you know, you know, it, you know, is Paul telling us we're, we're supposed to, to settle and, and just, just learn to accept the status quo? Is he, is he asking us to just settle? Of course not. We, we shouldn't be okay with all of these things. Paul is telling us to be content, not satisfied with these things. Content due to our, our ultimate salvation through Christ, but but not settled or, or okay with all the pain and suffering around us. The fact is, really, that, that we're not built to settle. Each, each one of us longs 
for something better. We want something different. Just like we're, we're wired for love, so we go looking for it. Some look for love, unfortunately, in, in the wrong places and are hurt. Fortunately, some find true love through God. It's kind of in the, in the same way that, that we're wired to, to find a, a better situation. We all want to change to, to something better. Despite what we're often told, each of us actually does want change. Advertisers know this about us. They know where we're we are wired for change. Of course, they, they prey on our discontent, so they speak to us about our desire to change in order to be more attractive or have nicer stuff, be richer, find a, a quick fix to our health problems or, or find a, a mythically perfect spouse. Uh, they invite us into an endless cycle of, of chasing a, a shallow version of better, which we can never find. And, and we go further and further in, into debt, thinking that next thing we buy will, will make us happy. saw this quote from someone who finally figured it out. They said, I, I refuse to go broke trying to prove I'm broke I, I'm trying to prove I'm not broke to people who are broke. That's a good one to, to paste on your refrigerator, right? That person isn't deceived by the advertiser and has figured out we can't buy our way con to contentment. But unlike the advertisers, God speaks to us about something that really is better for us. We all long for better, and God has the answer. The, the world's path leads to a life of dissatisfaction and discontentment, chasing a, a shallow version of better. You know, we've all been on that path before at one time or another. But, but God's path, that's where, where true contentment is found. This, this path begins with that step of putting our faith in Jesus, in uh, trusting Jesus, placing our, our hope in Him alone, and actually doing something about it. You know, in James 1 we read, you know, do not merely listen to the Word and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, we can complain about our, our circumstances and, and the world around us and how dissatisfied saddened and depressed we are with how things are going. And, and, and that, all that does is just kind of drag our attitude or our mental health down. Or we can do something about it. So where do we start? You know, as we you know, already discussed, there, there's just so much out there that we could do. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. Because, because we can sometimes be part of the problem. The most obvious place to start is with ourselves. Bill's already earlier in the series you know, thoroughly unpacked this whole idea. You know, there's, you know, so much of our discontent flows from our own sin. It's, it's amazing how much more content 
uh, we become as we clean up our own problems. Fortunately, God guides us through this cleanup process. He, he lays out the truth for us. You know, we can read about it in the Bible. We can read about it uh, along with our friends in life groups. We can hear about it in, uh, on Sunday mornings. God lays out the truth for us and then helps us through the process of putting off our old self and, and creating a new self. If you want to review or, or hear for the first time some of the earlier messages in this series, you can, you can ask for a copy of a CD. I don't know if you knew that. There's a, a list in the back corner there where you can sign up and they'll uh, make you a copy of a CD or you can go to our website and, and the, the messages are usually posted there. So catch up on some of those earlier messages. Uh, you know, and, and not that the job of getting our own act together is, is, is ever completed. It's, it's really a, a lifelong process. But, but, but then we can kind of turn our focus outward, right, to the things we find unsettling in the world around us. Uh, you know, it's, I don't have to tell you, it, it is gut-wrenching to watch and then re-watch and then re-watch over and over again, the kind of kind of slow motion car wreck of, of a life of someone close to us in our in our inner circle. Uh, you know, maybe it's a loved one with a, an addiction, money problems. You know, the list goes on. You know, it, anyone who has parented a teenager knows about you know that knot in your stomach as they just make mistake after mistake. Uh, it, it, it just breaks our hearts. Uh, you know, is, as I'm speaking here, is there someone that comes to your mind, uh, close to you? Um, well, you know, this can either result in a, a lot of sleepless nights of discontent and worry, or it can be a call to action. Because we are called to action. Uh, you know, Scripture is, is clear that we are to gently, in a way that is helpful to that person that we love, walk alongside them and look for a way to help them. Uh, you know, we're, we're not supposed to ignore it condone it, enable it, let alone settle for it. Um, out of our, our love for them, we want a, a better life for them, too. And, and that probably won't just happen accidentally. Um, but I understand, you know, figuring out how to, to gently restore someone you love and, and that is kind of stuck in this over and over cycle. You know, if you ever want, you know, some, some coaching on how to, you know, how best to, to, to help that loved one, call the office. You know, we'd love to kind of bounce around ideas on, on how to help that person. Then as we, we kind of broaden our focus beyond our, our inner circle to the, to the hundreds 
of, of issues locally to around the world that, that upset us, that unsettle us. Uh, as I said earlier, earlier we, can, we can become overwhelmed with the, the magnitude of the problems. You know, we can become paralyzed and, and, and frustrated, not, not where, knowing, you know, where do we jump in and help? You know, you, you may recognize this. It's, a, it's called the serenity prayer. Uh, it, it was written by a pastor in, in just a, a sermon to, you know, his, his church back in the 1930s. Since then, you know, it's kind of been adopted. The, the AA crowd has used it, expanded upon it, and its, and its thoughts are still true today. Um, still applicable to this problem of, of, of us trying to, to decide where to, to plug ourselves in. Because, in fact, God does guide us in our individual process of figuring out when and where we, we should engage. What, what cause should we adopt? That, that prayer is legitimate for us as well. Sometimes our, our, our discontent with the, the circumstances of the world can drive us to get involved in everything, right? You know, we, we spread ourselves an inch deep and a, and a mile wide, and, and, and all that does is we get tired and burned out, and, and our cynicism and, 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 and discontent grow. But there's a better way. There is a better way. For, for those who have, uh, have placed their trust in Jesus, you know, God gives us the desires of our heart. God has, has literally implanted in each one of us a, a set of desires or, or passions to help guide us to that cause, that issue we're, we're designed to invest our lives in. So, sometimes the, these desires and passions for, for certain causes kind of stem from, from our own experiences. What, what cause are you passionate about? What problem in, in, in town or around the world do you have so much energy around that, that you could talk to your friends for hours about? The, the passion you have for that issue, that's, that's not an accident. It, that is God speaking to you, guiding you. You know, unfortunately, churches are uh, infamous for, for kind of guilting people into thinking you have to get involved in everything. Uh, you know, when our, our kids were, were little, uh, that's what I thought. I thought that every time the church doors were open, I had to be there. Uh, you know, I, I almost wrecked my family. Uh, talk about a, a recipe for discontent, right? You know, I, I hope you, do, you don't feel that way here at Crossroads. You know, we, we you know, have so much stuff going on here. You know, and we're, we, on weekends we have announcements, you know, a long list. Bulletins are full, a lot of stuff going on. You know, but, but really that's just our intent to simply give you a variety of options, not guilt you into a e even busier lives. 
yeah, we, we encourage you to get plugged in to, to help yourself grow and, and, and help your church home in some way, but not in every way. In, in fact, you know, we, we periodically offer a class called iFit to help you figure out what you're passionate about, uh, what are your passions, and then help you assess your, your talents and, and figure out where you might jump in to help, not just here at church either, you know, but outside the church as well in any number of godly ways. Later in January, start looking for announcements about when that next iFit class is going to be. We need to learn to avoid a life of discontentment where we help nowhere or try to help everywhere. Instead, let's, let's try helping to make things better in places and ways we were designed for. We need to, to focus our energies on, on a few problems and not become overwhelmed by the many. And obviously, these, these problems have to matter. You know, in the scheme of things, uh, are, are you going to invest your time in something that is important? Christian or not, everyone wants to be of value, you know, to, to add value. You know, if you, you happen to be a Christian, we're to, we're to apply a, a very basic test to determine what adds value. It's all about loving God or, or loving people. God's Big picture, great commandment to Christians is this. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is the, the filter as Christians that, that we're called to apply. You know, as we clear the decks uh, of the stuff that is less important, we, we should just apply this simple test. Perhaps one of the best mental health cures is investing ourselves in, in something that really matters in a way that we're designed to help. But somewhere along the way, there's, there's kind of a, another hurdle that we seem to get stuck at. Maybe not right away, but, but eventually. We get to that place where we're not sure we've got what it takes, when, when we've kind of reached the end of ourselves. We, we eventually have to, to deal with our, our fear of, of failure. None of us likes to fail. You know, private failures, are, you know, they're discouraging. Public failures, they're, they're the worst. At that moment of failure, we, we feel we're all alone and, and unique in having failed, even though every one of us has, has failed. We've, we've experienced that, that same bad feeling. That, that uh, fear of failure, failure is, is powerful, though. It, it, it keeps us from even trying to improve ourselves. It, it keeps us from, from trying to help others. Somewhere in our head, we think, you know, if I don't even try, I can't fail, right? 
you know, we think in our, you know, if, if we isolate ourselves and, and skate by without even really trying, maybe that would protect us from the, the risk of failing. I, I love this quote from Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love. He, he, he responds to this type of avoidance strategy in this way. He says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. I think he's called us out, at least me, because because we do tend to, to try to soothe our, our discontent by succeeding at things that don't matter. It's less risky that way. But deep down, each of us knows we're built to do something that matters. And when we're not responding to this yearning, to this calling on our lives, it, it, it really does impact us mentally. It really does drag us down. Yet we remain stuck, too afraid to fail. Perhaps it's our pride. Perhaps it's our lack of faith. Anytime we start talking about having enough faith to overcome our fear, you know, the, the passage that often comes to mind is when Jesus asked Peter to walk on water. You know, Jesus was, uh, he was exhausted, tired, dog tired. He had spent the, the day teaching, healing, feeding the hungry. You know, there was a huge crowd that was just wanting more and more from him. So he wanted to, to go off by himself to, to pray and, and recharge as he often did. So he told his disciples, you know, you guys go ahead, get in the boat. Go across the lake, and I'll catch up with you later. Well, it was really windy that day, and, and the boat was rocking. So the, the disciples were having trouble making any progress. How did you do that? First, to Jesus. And really, not only is the question, how did you walk on water? But Jesus, how did you heal all those people? How did you calm the storm? How did you feed all those people? And ultimately, the question will become, how did you conquer death, thereby saving us? You know, the answer was and is, you know, we have a mighty God. There, there is no limit to His power. Our, our Savior... He can do anything. You know, whether you, you've been a Christian for years or you're, you're, you're still checking Christianity out, we all need to know Jesus is, is able and he is worthy of our trust. And that same question was also asked of Peter. How did you 
do that. Yeah, Peter, you know, he had a, a wobbly faith to help him get out of the boat. But, but most importantly, the, the object of this wobbly faith was the mighty Jesus. Some argue Peter sank and, and therefore he failed. Others argue Peter didn't fail because he, he, he at least got out of the boat. You know, that, that's going to happen to us too. You know, there's always going to be people Monday morning quarterbacking us as we, we take baby steps to improve ourselves, as we take steps to love the people around us enough to help them. But don't let that stop you from stepping out. I, I love the way the, that passage ends in, in Matthew 14. And then they climbed back into the boat and the wind died down and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. At the end of the day, through our, our successes, through our failures, through the way we respond to our failures, are we doing things that ultimately lead people to worship Jesus? You know, each of us is in a different place today. You know, some are, are wondering if they want to take that, that very first step of faith, making that very first commitment to Christ. And, and others are, are well along their faith walk. But one thing is common. One thing is, consistent, is constant, no matter where we are. At, at this moment, God is calling each of us to take that next step. Just one more step away from the boat and closer to him. It's paradoxical, really. You know, we spent our lives pursuing contentment down the path that includes being in, in total control of what each of our next steps will look like. You know, we like certainty, after all. But what Peter learned as he stepped out of the boat, it's only once we have the faith to place our, our total trust in God and step out into the unknown, willing to risk what, what the world might call failure. It's only then that we find contentment. You know, I, I don't know what's troubling your soul today, but I do know that healing begins with trusting God and taking that next step closer to him. We are going to close with a, a music video from, from a group called Hillsong United that speaks to this very topic. Uh, the song is called Oceans Where Feet May Fail. Uh, the song will be both our um, closing song and our closing prayer. So sing, pray along, uh, and have a great week.